Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hi everybody and a very warm and festive welcome to the uh, WFI Extra podcast. Uh, we're going to continue today on our series looking at uh, the, the under 22 talents around Europe and the world. And joining us in the pod tonight, uh, a very distinguished guest. Uh, we're, we're, we're very happy to announce that we have Jonathan Johnson uh, from Paris, who, who's a journalist over there. And, uh, you know, as I say, our guest list is getting very, very distinguished. And we're delighted to have these guys on. It's, it's, it's a privilege to be talking to them. So uh, with, without further ado, let's, let's get down into it. And uh, as I say, you're very welcome on the pod, Jonathan. Um, maybe you would like to begin by telling us a little bit about yourself and, and what you're doing over there in Paris and, and the kind of work that you do in football. No problem. Thanks for having me on. Well, I'm a, I'm a football journalist based in uh, in Paris, and I specialise in Liga, and I write for uh, a number of publications about it. You know, people like ESPN, Bleach Report, uh, being sports in uh, in the USA as well, uh, and I do a bit of TV work over here in Paris as well. I commentate games uh, and I read the news, uh, so you can either find me on television or uh, or best thing to do is uh, is probably follow me on Twitter uh, at uh, JON underscore Legosib. Uh, and that's where I post most of my my written material, and I, you know, tweet pretty much daily about uh, about French football and uh, and particularly PSG being uh, being the local team and one of the teams that I uh, I cover in uh, in most depth. No, indeed, and I, I do follow you on Twitter. I would I would urge people to do so. You know, there's some good good information on France there. But listen, uh, you know, let's get into your list straight away. And, uh, you know, who, who, who's the first player you would like to talk about? Well, I think the first player we should m- perhaps mention is uh, is Michi Batshuayi, you know, one of the outstanding performers in Ligue so far this season. Uh, you know, one of the one of the leading scorers in uh, in Le Championnat at the moment, second only to Zlatan Ibrahimovic, joint second, I might add, with uh, Lorient's uh, Benjamin Mukanjo. But Batshuayi is a very, very uh, talented young player, somebody who I've watched now for a number 
number of seasons. One of my uh, commentary gigs here in Paris was uh, was covering the Belgian uh, Pro League for a couple of seasons, and that coincided with with Batshuayi's rise to prominence there with Standard Liège. So I'd, I'd known about him and I'd known what sort of player he was like before he even came to France. So it's been interesting to see how he's progressed at uh, at Marseille, and you know he's really coming into his own this season. I have to say. And, and, you know, I know there's a lot of talk about him, and, you know, even, even, you know, fans of my own club have been talking about this guy as a very, very hot prospect. Do, do you foresee any, any moves, uh, in the near future for him? And if so, you know, is he the type of player who could move to Spain? Is he a type of player in the Bundesliga or, or an EPL player? Can you see him adapting to those types of leagues? I think he could adapt to any of those leagues, but I have to say, I think that he's particularly suited to the Premier League. You know, he's a very fast player, uh, can be quite physical at times. He has, you know, a lot of technical ability, uh, you know, and he has a bit of pace as well. So he's, uh, you know, he's starting to prove that he's a, he's a bit more clinical. I have to say that I do see a move on the horizon, and I think he'll definitely leave Marseille next summer. I can see him being, you know, sort of the, uh, the star that Marseille are really pinning their hopes on in terms of getting them a big transfer fee and perhaps enabling them to keep some other players at the club. Uh, because I think that they've probably already accepted that they're going to have to part uh, company with uh, with Batshuayi. But I think it would really serve um, the Belgian best if he stays at Marseille uh, in January. I'm sure there's going to be plenty of uh, teams, you know, desperate for some firepower who would come in and perhaps try and tempt Marseille with an offer. Uh, but I think it would be wise for Batshuayi to try and resist as much as possible because, you know, at the moment he's in a bit of a precarious situation with his with his uh, with, with his national side, Belgium. You know, they're aware of the talent they have with him. However, you know he's not really, uh, you know, I, w- I wouldn't call him a fixture in Mark Vilmot's uh, squad selections at the moment. And when you look at the struggles of somebody like Christian Benteke, uh, you know, at Liverpool at the moment, uh, you have to think that Batshuayi, if he keeps up his current form, you know, stands a very good chance of going into the Euros and playing an important role. Uh, but in order to keep up that form. You know, I think he would be uh, wise to to stay at Marseille, especially under a coach like Michel, who uh, you know is really uh, counting on him uh, to, to provide the goals for for the team this season. You know, I think it would be uh, the best decision for him uh, in terms of his international prospects and his uh, short term future to stay uh, at Stade Velodrome. Uh, and then, of course, a good Euro uh, campaign could boost the price even more. And you know, I'm sure Marseille would be delighted by that. No, indeed, you know, you're talking about quite a quite a fee for him. You know, obviously ballpark, obviously hypothetical. What what, what do you think it would take to move uh, him from Marseille? What, what what would be an acceptable offer? Uh, say, you know, you're you're saying you're, there's people maybe sniffing around in January. What kind of money would you envisage uh, taking to move him? Well, I, th- I think it would have to be a really substantial fee uh, in order to, to prize him away in January and it might get even bigger uh, before next summer, although it might drop a little as well. You know, uh, Marseille could quite easily, uh, you know, try and prize, you know, the maximum amount out of a desperate team. Uh, you know, you look at what happened with Aston Villa last summer with, uh, you know, the, some of the fees they were paying for the likes of Jordan Amavi, although he's proved that he is a, a very talented player, you know, Nice were basically able to name their price and I think the same thing would happen with uh, with Marseille and Batshuayi. I think they would have to be somewhere above 35 million euros. I think we're talking roughly, I mean, in terms of pounds, uh, you're probably talking 30 million pounds uh, and upwards. But I think that Marseille would, as much as the, you know, they have to listen uh, when 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 offers get to a certain size. I think they would be loath to let him go uh, in January unless they had a, signif- a significant amount of money in order to bring in uh, a couple of players and then still have uh, a fairly substantial fee left over because Marseille are looking for more strikers. Uh, in January, as opposed to you know losing their the, the only really the only one that they have at the moment. 
No, indeed. Um, I suppose that makes perfect sense. But in, in the crazy world of money, especially if there's Premier League clubs snooping around, you know, 30 million, it, it's not an awful lot of money when we talk in, in Premier League terms. Listen, let, let's move on to the second guy on your list. Uh, who, who do you have for a second? Well, I think uh, the, the next player that we should uh, probably talk about uh, is uh, Sofian Bouffal of, uh, of Lille. You know, I think that he is a name that people will be familiar with already. You know, there's a number of European sides who've been linked with him, uh, you know, the likes of Arsenal's, Tottenham's, Inter Milan's. Uh, and I think that there are going to be big teams uh, going in for him, possibly even in January. Uh, you know, like Marseille, Lille have to consider uh, a, you know, bids where they come in for some of their their better players because they always have to be thinking in economic terms uh, and, and trying to uh, you know get get as much for for the talents that they raise up as they possibly can. Uh, and I th- I think considering that Lille haven't been playing in uh, in Europe this season, that you know Buffal will be extremely attractive to to some of the teams who would need to be able to register any new signings in January for European competition. Uh, I know PSG are also uh, very interested in this uh, in this player as well, and you know he's enjoyed a very good start to the season, albeit in quite a disappointing Lille side up until recently. Um, they changed coach uh, a couple of months ago. Hervé Renard left. Uh, Frederic Antonetti has come in, and all of a sudden. And they've uh, they've started to find some form, so the pressure has been taken off of Buffal's shoulders um, a little bit now. But I have to be honest, this this guy is a very exciting talent. You know, I would say this is probably the most exciting player that we've seen come through Lille um, since Eden Hazard. Wow! And, and what, what's his position? And, and you know, what does he bring to the party, uh, Jonathan? What what are his strengths and attributes? Attribute, oh God, I can nearly speak. Attribute, <laughs> no, I'm not, you know what I'm talking about. I can't say it. <laughs> yeah, he's. I mean, he's a very, very. You know, he's quite a versatile player, uh, playmaker, very exciting, um, good out wide. Um, I, I wouldn't say that he's bad centrally, but I I prefer seeing him out wide. You know, I think you get the best of his uh, of his pace and trickery out there. Uh, and he is a uh, you know he, he is a, a, a fantastic talent. He has great technique, uh, very quick feet. Uh, you know there are like a, like I mentioned earlier, uh, you know the parallels with Azar in terms of you know him being sort of the the, the next big thing to have come through Lille since Azar. Uh, you know there are also um, similarities in the way that the, that they play as well. And also bear in mind that this is a guy who's also having to, to to carry the hopes of the the Lille team on his shoulders at the moment in a similar way to Azar. Uh, I have to be honest, I think that he would probably be best served uh, staying at the club for the remainder of the season, uh, whether that means that a club comes in and buys him in January and then loans him back to Lille for the remainder of the season. That's something that's been touted uh, with PSG's potential interest. Uh, or whether a team just comes in, buys him, and, and tries to throw him straight into their first team. I still think that he needs um, a little bit of developing um Buffal was signed from Angers, um, I think it was last January, in fact, he's not, because he's not been there too long. Uh, and, you know, he has enjoyed, uh, you know, a, a pretty monumental rise within the, within the side, really. Angers are actually now in, uh, Ligue 1 as well. So, you know, left, uh, just before they, uh, just before they got promoted. Uh, Lille not doing as well as, uh, as Angers are this, uh, this season. So, you know, perhaps, you know, maybe he feels a little bit rueful about that, but at the same time, having gone to Lille, where the expectation is on him to, you know, really be the star of the team and and to be their creative spark, uh, you know, I think that that has uh, expedited his, uh, his his progression a little bit, and I think that. Uh, in an ideal world, he'd probably stay in Ligue 1 for another season after this. But uh, you know, transfer the transfer market being what it is now, you know, we were talking earlier about the crazy figures 
you know, when we we're talking about the, the potential valuation of Batshai, you know, we're going to be talking crazy money about this guy as well. I think we're probably talking a similar fee um, for Buffal, maybe a little bit lower, you know, sort of perhaps between uh, 25 million and 30 million euros. Indeed. So that would suggest, you know, what his future is in France, as you say, you know, PSG are looking at PSG would be the team that he would move to in France. Yeah, absolutely. But that all depends on what happens with Ezekiel Lovetsy. You know, does he leave in January uh, or do PSG keep hold of him until the summer? Uh, you know, he's been quite quite a disappointment so far this season. Hasn't really played that much under Laurent Blanc. Uh, the two don't get on that well. Uh, Lovetsy famously missed the, the winter training camp last uh, last season along with Cavani. Cavani offers more on the pitch, though scores more goals. So, you know, that you know that sort of element of behavior has been forgiven whereas with Lovetsy it's not you know uh, his his relationship with the club has never really recovered from that it was a surprise that he didn't get sold last summer uh, so I think that many people uh, expect to see him leave in January but for PSG to let him go in January I think they would need to receive uh, you know some transfer fee or uh, you know a team would have to take on all of Lovetsy's wages because Lovetsy is one of the highest earners at PSG if that was to happen then I definitely think that we could see Buffal uh, you know make the move and perhaps uh, go to PSG in January and stay there. Otherwise, I think that we might just see PSG look at the competition for his signature. And if a team moves in, then you know perhaps they try to close off the deal very quickly, make an offer, uh, but keep him on loan at, uh, at Lille. But I, I think this one will probably stay available until the summer, in which, in which case, if he makes his way into the France team because he's yet to be uncapped by either France or Morocco, uh, you know, then there could be a, a, a mad scramble for his signature. No, indeed. And as a player, I must—I I have to admit—I have no knowledge of. And, and from from your assessment of him, he's a player that I'm going to have to go and research uh, because he sounds like quite a prospect. Um, who, who's the next one on your list, then, Jonathan? Well, I think the next one we have to look at is uh, is Nabil Fekir. You know, arguably the uh, uh, the greatest uh, homegrown talent that the league has at the moment. Yes, he's out injured, so people aren't seeing him on the pitch. Uh, got injured playing for the French national team against Portugal in a friendly uh, back in, uh, in in September, I think it was. Uh, but it doesn't change the fact that Fekir is an extremely talented player. Lyon are really suffering without him this season. Uh, you know, Alexandre Lacazette who, you know, has been linked with so many clubs uh, over the past 12 months, you know, is really suffering without his partner in crime as well. Uh, and, you know, I think the hope at the moment in France is that Fekir is going to be able to recover from his his injury in time, uh, you know, to perhaps get into contention uh, for a place in the France squad for the Euros next summer. Uh, because, you know, for France to go to the Euros, possibly without the likes of Karim Benzema, uh, you know, is, is, is quite a sobering thought for Didier Deschamps, but to, you know, for, for him to have to go without Nabil Fekir as well, then, you know, that, that would be almost potentially disastrous for him. So Fekir is a, you know, is a very, very talented player, versatile attacker, prefers to play in the middle, almost as a, you know, a support striker, really. You've got Lacazette in that front pairing as the, you know, the more prolific of the two, but, but Fekir is equally adept at scoring and creating chances. Um, you know, Lacazette can do both as well. However, I feel that, that Fekir is the more balanced player. Uh, you know, uh, again, a bit like Buffal, very fast, uh, great feet, fantastic technique. Uh, you know, and there is so much, um, you know, potential there for him to, to, to build on as well. There's, you know, he's still yet to tap into, 
you know, his uh, his his vast potential. And I think that this is he is definitely going to be one of those players that teams are looking at next summer. However, I wonder if the fact that he's been out injured for so long this campaign, uh, you know, perhaps plays into Leon's hands a bit, and there might be a way that they can keep him, uh, you know, into next season, and then perhaps to sell him in the in, in the summer of 2017. But that said. You know, if he returns to fitness and returns to form immediately, then there are going to be teams knocking on uh, on Leon's door next summer, wanting to buy him. No, indeed, and, and you know, you mentioned Lacazette there, and he's lost his partner in crime with this guy. Um, you know, there's been a, 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 my Twitter feed has for the last sort of nine months has just been full of Lacazette and, and the possibility of him moving. Uh, I, I know he's not on, on your list, but what, what are your thoughts on that with the January window coming up? Uh, I know that he's had a bit of dip in form. You've explained the, the reasons for that. C- can you foresee a move, or do you see him remaining in France? You know, especially with Euro 2016 coming up. Uh, you know, to me, it, it sounds like the player might want to remain in his own country until after that tournament. Yeah, I definitely think that at the moment it's the wisest choice for him to stay in France. He's been in and out of Deschamps' squad. Um, you know, and he's been criticised for his lack of form as well this season. So I think that he is well aware that it would be a big risk for him to make a move at the moment. But Leon aren't in the best of health at the moment. The coach Hubert Fournier is uh, under a lot of pressure. He's going to have his job uh, evaluated over uh, over the winter break. So you know, we perhaps might see a, a change in coach there, which you know might convince Lacazette that it's uh, the best thing for him to do to stay until the end of the season, or it might push him uh, closer to the exit. You know, it all depends on uh, on, on what happens with Fournier's future really but I think at the moment the best thing for Lacazette is definitely to stay in France until the end of the season and until the Euro is over uh, because I think that's the only way that he's really going to keep getting uh, Deschamps' attention but in order to do that you know he really has to, to start rediscovering his prolific form from last season and that's something we haven't seen for the best part of this campaign, you know, he's had some uh, some well documented struggles in front of goal. Matteo Valbuena, as uh, as gifted a playmaker as he is, just hasn't been able to to, to recreate his uh, you know excellent creative form that we see uh, when he plays for the French national team uh, for Lyon. And you know, there's nobody really that uh, that that is able to to, to lead this side. Uh, to victory almost single-handedly at times. And, you know, that's where Fekir is missed because we saw um, early on this season before he got injured, uh, you know, there were a, a couple of games where Lyon were really sort of lacking purpose, lacking direction. And, uh, you know, Fekir just, you know, basically grabbed the grabbed the team, put them on his shoulders and uh, and led them to led them to victory. So, you know, I, for, for, for me, I think that Lacazette is probably going to hang on uh, and and stay at Lyon until the until the end of the season. And once Fekir gets back to full fitness, you know perhaps we'll see him uh, pick up form just at the right time, save his place in the Euros, and then you know make sure that there are plenty of clubs uh, sniffing around him come the summer after the Euros. No, as I say, it's, it's just a, often a tangent. I know, Jonathan. It's just he, he's he's such a name that keeps appearing on my Twitter feed. And not just you know my own club, but but, but other clubs there as well. Um, there seems to be quite a bit of interest in him, and the fact that you know his form has has reduced this season from what it was last. People sort of seem to think we can get him on the cheap, um, which I don't believe for one second. But let's move along. Let's move along with your list. Who, who's who's next up? Well, we'll take a look at, uh, at Monaco, perhaps, uh, where you have you know, the talent of uh, Bernardo Silva. You know, this is another player who plenty of uh, you know football fans across Europe are now becoming a bit more familiar with. 
you know, he really made his name with Monaco last season, uh, arrived as a bit of an unknown, ended up as one of the revelations of the league on season. Uh, you know, then impressed as well with uh, with Portugal at the uh, the, the under 21 Euros uh, last summer. So he's now a, a marked man. There are plenty of teams in Europe watching him, uh, you know, assessing the situation with Monaco. Uh, Monaco, as we saw in the summer with Anthony Martial and a number of other players, you know, when the price is right and the bid is made by uh, by bigger European teams, then you know these players are going to go. So I, I don't think we're going to see Bernardo Silva sticking around at Monaco for that long. Uh, the big question is, you know, where does he go next? This guy is, uh, you know, is a very creative player. Uh, can play in a number of different positions in uh, in, in midfield, but is you know predominantly an, uh, an, an attacking midfielder. Has has a knack for having an impact when he comes off the bench. You know, I wouldn't call him a, a super sub, but you know, quite often seems to uh, to, to impact games. Uh, you know, once once he's brought on uh, late on, I wouldn't say that his form this season has been as good as it was last season. But I'd say that was true pretty much of the entire Monaco squad, even though it is much changed uh, from the one that Leonardo Jardim had uh, last season. You know, only three league on goals in uh, in seventeen appearances. So you know, he needs to. Uh, up his game a bit in the second half of the season but you know Monaco like they did last season starting to find a bit of form now we're coming towards the end of uh, you know the first half of the campaign and I think we'll see much more uh, from Silver and uh, and from Monaco over the second half of the campaign especially now they're out of Europe as well I think there's probably a little less pressure on them there uh, out of one of the domestic cups as well so there's you know only the league to, to, to really concentrate on and I think that we'll see Jardim get the best out of the players that he has uh, available to him, and I think that one or two will really boost their value ahead of uh, ahead of the summer. And I think uh, Silver is one of the players who's going to do that. Indeed, and, and you, you wouldn't foresee any moves in, in this window, obviously, for him. Then, and, and you know, you see him pretty much fixed at Monaco f- until the summer. Yeah, I think he'll stay at Monaco until the summer. But that said, you know, like a, like like with a lot of um, players at teams in Liga. If the uh, if the offer is big enough, if the money you know that's that, that's being put forward by some of these more more desperate European clubs, uh, you know, is uh, is crazy enough, then the teams will you know will obviously look at it and, and and start to talk. But I think Monaco's priority this January, if they could get rid of one player, is probably Hal Moutinho. Uh, you know, is a, a name that's well known to, uh, to to many people across Europe. Uh, perhaps dropped off the radar a little bit since he's moved to Monaco. Understandably so, because uh, you know not only has he gone to uh, you know to a, to a club with a with, with quite a small following. Uh, you know he, his form hasn't been great since uh, since moving to Monaco. It improved last season. Uh, I'll give him that, but he's not been the same player that we that we knew from his time at Porto and obviously uh, you know performances with the the Portuguese national team in international tournaments as well. So I think considering the big money that he's on. Uh, and the, the you know the project that Monaco have in place now, where they want to buy these players very young uh, for as cheap as possible, boost their value, uh, and sell them on for, for for massive fees to to Europe's biggest clubs. Uh, you know, Moutinho doesn't really fit with that mold, and I think they want to try and get rid of him as quickly as possible so that they can perhaps uh, you know drive a, you know a, a very tough bargain for for players like Bernardo Silva uh, by saying that well we don't actually you know desperately need this money, so you're going to have to make us a very very good offer if you're to persuade us to part with him. No, and you know what? It's perfect business sense. To be fair, <laughs> you, can, you, you can't blame any club at the moment. With you know, whenever you look at the, the Marshall deal and, and so on, you, you can't blame any club for, for for hanging on and holding on for value uh, in this day and age. It, it is perfect business sense. But listen, let's move on on your list. Uh, and who would you have up next? 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Well, let's uh, let, let's stick with Monaco because I've got another Monaco name on there, and that's uh, Fabinho. Uh, versatile defender, plays predominantly right back, can play uh, in defensive midfield as well. We saw him, uh, you know, really excel there last season in the Champions League for Monaco when they knocked out Arsenal. Uh, you know, this guy uh, signed a well, signed a permanent deal with, uh, with with Monaco over the summer, so they now fully own him and. You know, while he's adding to his value, uh, you know, he's now a Brazil international. Uh, they will be assessing the the interest in him because there was a lot. There were, there were a lot of clubs who came forward, uh, very keen to acquire him last summer. Uh, you know, just sort of weeks, months after after Monaco had bought him outright uh, from the from the Portuguese team that he was playing for, Rio Ave. And uh, you know, he is a player who I expect is going to be up. Along with Bernardo Silva, one of those players that really attracts a lot of interest, uh, come, come the summer. You know, there's not too many really, uh, world-class fullbacks, uh, in the game at the moment, but Fabinho definitely has the makings of, uh, of, of being one of them. Uh, and while he's still, you know, a regular in the, uh, in the international team, uh, still proving himself to be extremely valuable for Monaco. You know, not only is he, uh, you know, is he a good solid defender who can get forward putting crosses. You know, he's actually quite, uh, quite dangerous in front of goal as well. You know, for a defender to have scored three goals and made two assists just in Ligue 1 alone as well. You know, that's quite, uh, quite an impressive tally. So that I, th- I think that Fabinho will be very attractive to, uh, to a number of clubs. Uh, and I think that again, Monaco in an ideal world would like to hang on to him. Uh, during January and perhaps sell him next summer, uh, but it all depends on the interest that you know comes forward for players like uh, Moutinho, who is you know as I said before, is probably Monaco's priority to to, to get rid of and would be the first name that they would allow to leave uh, in January if an offer was tabled. No, I hear you, and you know, with living in Brazil myself, I know that this guy is rated here, you know, amongst Brazilian people, and, and I think the overlying frustration 
for Brazilians at the moment is just the, 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 the just the stubbornness and, and, and short sightedness of Dunga. Uh, you know, he, he'll persist with Danny Alves uh, as opposed to, to looking to the future. And I think, you know, f- f- from the Brazilian point of view here, it, it's quite frustrating that, that players like this exist and are not getting the opportunity. You know, we see Kaká brought into to, to the Brazilian national squad at the expense of, of Roberto Firmino and, and Felipe Coutinho. It, it, you know, it, it, it's, it's difficult. It's difficult really to, to, um, to, to get your head around you know their selection policy, but but I think that this guy will will be in the future. Um, you know, a big star for Brazil. Yeah, well, it's you know something as well that I think a lot of people in France feel. Uh, certainly, there's a lot of um, I wouldn't say hatred, but a lot of um, you know mistrust towards what's happening with the Brazil national team in France at the moment. Especially when you look at the form of somebody like Thiago Silva, arguably enjoying one of the best seasons of his career uh, so far, and you know yet Dunga doing everything he can to ignore him and uh, and, and not pick him, which, uh, you know, doesn't really make him seem like he sees something that nobody else sees. I, I think it just makes him seem quite petty if I'm, uh, if, if, if I'm honest and uh, I'm blind to a lot of, uh, you know, the talent that's out there. And, you know, I, I think there's definitely an argument to say that the Brazil national team is suffering at the moment, uh, you know, for, for because of Dunga's uh, leadership or, uh, you know, perhaps, uh, perhaps lack of it. And um, I definitely think that, you know, players like Fabinho, uh, Antiago Silva should be, uh, you know, starting in this Brazil team and, you know, not just, uh, not just in the squad. Uh, I, I think that, as I said before, Fabinho is not just, you know, he's not just a right back. He could play anywhere, could play in defensive midfield, uh, you know, maybe even a centre back as well. And, you know, you've got the same with, uh, with a number of other players there as well. Marquinhos is, uh, you know, is quite polyvalent. He can play centre back, right back, defensive midfield again. Uh, you know, and David Luiz can play uh, central defence and uh, defensive midfield as well. So I think that Dunga has an embarrassment of riches uh, available to him, but it seems like you know he's uh, he's mishandling uh, a number of them, and it's a you know it's a shame to hear that although he has uh, you know recognised that there is uh, potential uh, considerable talent and potential in somebody like Fabinho, uh, you know that he's uh, you know not giving him the chances to, to to flourish on the international stage. But that said, uh, you know I, I I think that he's close to outgrowing. Uh, his surroundings at Monaco now, and we'll definitely see him move on to an elite club uh, next summer. No, and, and and maybe that will be the the straw that breaks a camel's back with with uh, Dunga. But to be fair, I don't think Dunga has much legs left in him. After you know, there's another Copa America this year, and the way the qualification is going. Although who replaces him would be the question. But that's a whole other podcast. Let's let's move to the next one on your list before we go completely off on a tangent. <laughs> uh, let's have a look at um, Morgan Sanson from Montpellier. Uh, very talented midfielder. He's only just come back to uh, to full fitness recently. There's a couple, couple of players on this list who have uh, you know been suffering from uh, from long term injuries. Uh, but but Sanson is is perhaps one of the uh, one of the most unknown players uh, who I've selected on my list. But he is uh, you know a very very talented player, very versatile midfielder. Can play you know the majority of central roles and you know can also play out wide when needed as well. Uh, and this is a player who was wanted by the likes of Lyon, Marseille, even PSG uh, before he got injured. Uh, and the fact that he uh, picked up a really bad injury towards the end of last season, uh, you know, I think put him or put put Marseille, uh, sorry, put Montpellier in, uh, in in quite a good position from their point of view because it was almost certain that he would have left. Uh, this summer had had he not picked up this injury and now that he's only just coming back to, to full fitness it's likely that he's going to spend the rest of the season with uh, Montpellier they've picked up form a bit recently they've moved out of the relegation zone and then with Sanson uh, 
uh, added to the team and, and finally back to uh, uh, you know back to his best and, and back to a good level of fitness, he can start you know thinking about trying to impress and, and maybe even make a late dash towards the uh, the French national team for the Euros as well. He's uh, you know he's a very very talented player as I mentioned, uh, very versatile. Uh, came through the academy at, uh, at Le Mans before before making a move to Montpellier. Still uh, still very young as well. You know still just uh, just twenty so. This is a this is a player who still has plenty of uh, you know of, of development in him. Not yet you know tapping into uh, into his potential, but you know already you know by far and away the the best player uh, at Montpellier in uh, in my opinion. Sorry, he's twenty one, not uh, not twenty, uh, but you know not quite old enough yet to make that jump into the senior national team. Uh, but uh, you know, but a, a fantastic talent all the same, and, and somebody the bigger European sides are definitely going to be looking at. However, I think the saving grace for uh, for Montpellier is that they probably won't make a move for him in January until they know that he's back, uh, you know, to and um, fully recovered from his injury. Uh, because if teams were moving in in January, you know, Montpellier being one of the uh, you know what one of the smaller sides in the league financially. They would probably have to consider um, much lower offers for him than they would have been able to, uh, you know, perhaps swat away uh, if he was uh, if he was fully fit. Because you know, once back to his best, uh, I think this guy will command uh, you know a, a good transfer fee for for a team like Montpellier. You know, probably like around the the 15 million uh, euro mark. And at the moment, you're probably talking a bit less than 10. Uh, considering that he's just coming off the back of uh, you know a relatively serious uh, cruise ship problem. No, indeed. And, and, and as you say, you're probably correct in that. It's a player I don't know. Again, I'm going to have to take a look at it. It's, it's the wonderful part about doing these pods. I get introduced to these players uh, at a young age and, 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 and learn a bit about them. So so let, let's keep it moving, Jonathan. And, and, and who would be next up on your list? Well, we'll go back to Leon and, uh, and another midfielder in Corentin Toliso. Uh, you know, a, a relative unknown at the beginning of last season, but a, a crucial part uh, of Lyon's fantastic campaign, which saw them finish second in Ligue 1, uh, you know, really impress under under Hubert Fournier. Uh, he's been a regular in the team as well this season, you know, and they haven't done as well as they have done last campaign. But you know, I wouldn't say that that is uh, in any way all uh, all Toliso's fault, and you know, whether he's regressed as a player or anything. Uh, you know, I think the team have suffered. Uh, for a number of reasons, uh, one being that they just don't have the, the strength and depth to um, to remain competitive across uh, across all fronts. So qualifying for Europe, although it was fantastic for the club financially, uh, you know, also brought in the you know the challenge for this team to to try and stretch themselves not only across Ligue 1, the two domestic cups, but also uh, continental games as well. And it was just never really going to work because Lyon weren't able to invest in uh, enough players uh, you know to give themselves the adequate level of uh, of, of squad depth and quality uh, to remain competitive on uh, on all fronts challenge PSG for the title uh, and and progress in their Champions League group but you know at the same time I don't think this squad that uh, that Leon have at the moment should be doing as disastrously uh, as they are. Um, you know, but that said, Toliso is still a player who uh, who impresses uh, week after week. Uh, another uh, one of these polyvalent uh, midfielders, you know, somebody who can play in a, in a variety of positions, but does better in the sort of central, um, you know, defensive midfield kind of roles. Uh, you know, as another very technically gifted player, as you'd expect, coming through the Lyon uh, Youth Academy. 
you know, and he's now making a name for himself, not only with his club, but uh, but also at under 21 level internationally. Uh, and and had Didier Deschamps not got the embarrassment of riches uh, across pretty much every position on the pitch that he has at the moment, considering, you know, how many good young players, uh, you know, France produce, I, I think we may well have even seen Talese already called up, uh, you know, at senior level, but there's just so many players uh, available to Deschamps and so many, you know, uh, similar players to Taliso, uh, you know, players of a similar age who, you know, aren't, aren't getting a look in yet. Uh, you know that it's you're kind of wondering now whether it's going to be after Euro 2016 that we're going to see uh, Talisa finally make the step up to the senior national team. But when he does, uh, you know, I expect him to make uh, one of those positions in the in the national team his own because this guy is a, a phenomenal talent. You know, I think Leon did. Uh, I wouldn't say they did well to keep hold of him. They did well to keep hold of all of their star players uh, together. I would have expected Taliso to stay for this season regardless uh, of what happened to the likes of Lacazette, Fekir, Anthony Lopez um, before this season started. But I think that it's going to be a tough task for Leon to hold on to some of these players uh, at the end of this season. And I think Taliso is going to be one of those players who uh, a lot of clubs come in and, uh, and have a look at and, you know, um, perhaps fancy putting a bid in for and, and gambling for his signature. You know, pe- people used to speak a lot about the the captain, Maxime Gonalons, uh, you know, and how, you know, teams like Napoli have been linked with him a lot in the past and, and made a couple of offers and were never able to prize him away from Lyon. Uh, you know, he was sort of the, you know, the, the, the main star of that Lyon midfield that teams would be looking at. But now after last season uh, and, and the way he's building on, uh, on on his progress this campaign, you know, I think that there's going to be teams that come in now and look at uh, Taliso as well, perhaps before they look at somebody like Gonalons. No, it's quite a ringing endorsement you have of him, to be fair. Again, not one that I'm very familiar with, but but on that endorsement, I think, again, I'm going to have to go and familiarise myself with it. Uh, Jonathan, just looking at the time here, are you okay? Do you want to go for another one, or do you want to bring it to a close? Cause we're up yeah, we've got, court. we've got a couple of players uh, more to cover, so I think we'll... You know, maybe if we finish with the with the PSG pair that I have on my list of uh, Adrian Rabiot and, uh, and Marquinhos. Now Rabiot, I'm sure, needs no introduction. You know, I'm I'm pretty confident that many people who will be listening to this will have heard of him. Uh, you know, very very talented um, technical midfielder, but you know also quite a spoiled brat off the pitch and very poorly advised by his mother Veronique. Uh, like many uh, French youngsters, unfortunately, with tremendous potential talent, also comes, uh, you know, sizable ego. And I don't think there are many uh, in terms of the young players France are producing at the moment, uh, you know, with with big with a bigger ego than uh, than Rabiot. Uh, you know, Rabiot is a is a very very gifted player. Um, you know, a, a fantastic central midfielder who is being groomed to play a more defensive role, but is you know quite capable of um, you know helping his team out going forward. Can even play sort of you know out wide, um, particularly on the left when you consider that he's uh, that he's left-footed. Although we even did see him play on the right uh, for under Ancelotti for a couple of games. This is a guy who is, is definitely going to be a France international of the future. Uh, a PSG haven't tied down to a long-term contract. Uh, he's doing his best to to leave the club on loan to make sure that he plays every game somewhere uh, in the build-up to the Euros because he is obviously convinced and his mother's convinced as well uh, that that he can be uh, you know in this France squad for the Euros. I don't think it's completely uh, you know misguided uh, that that idea that he could break into the France squad. However, I do still think that you know at at 20 years old he is still very young. Uh, you know, and I, I think he has, you know, a, 
a fantastic career ahead of him. Uh, I think that a large part of it is going to be spent in uh, in France uh, with PSG. Uh, I, I think as much as a lot of big European teams are, are interested in him, PSG know that they have a fantastic talent uh, in their squad in him. Uh, you know, and one that was raised in the uh, in the club's youth academy. Now, you know, we've seen the likes of Mamadou Sako allowed to leave in the past. Uh, Sarko was previously, you know, the real, um, you know, the, the, the poster boy for the PSG Academy, uh, the, you know, the player that every, every kid, uh, coming through the ranks aspired to being. While Rabio, uh, although not as much of a, a likable character as, uh, as Sarko was at PSG and still is at Liverpool, uh, you know, Rabio is, is sort of close to usurping him, uh, in being the player that, you know, every kid coming through the PSG Youth Academy aspires to being because he is, you know, the first, uh, you know, homegrown player who, you know, looks like he's actually going to be able to establish himself among this plethora of stars that are gathered at, uh, at Parc des Princes. So, you know, Rabio, as I said at the beginning, I think he'll already be well known to a, to a number of, uh, of European football fans. You know, I, I, I can see him once again in January being linked with a number of moves, uh, you know, because of what he says off the pitch and how he wants to just be playing uh, regular football uh, week in, week out. But since Marco Verratti's been injured, Javier Pastore as well, you know, both players coming back to fitness now. Uh, Rabio is still in the team, still getting plenty of games, uh, you know, and now starting to, to, to live up to his big claims off of the pitch uh, with, with a bunch of mature performances as well. So, you know, this, this recent period where PSG have been without Verratti, uh, you know, has really been the making of Rabio because I think PSG was starting to tire of, you know, his whining about not getting enough games and his mum trying to put pressure on the, the club as well. Uh, and now he's really proved, um, you know, that, that, that what they thought was there and then perhaps got lost. Uh, among some of the fighting over his future, you know, is still there. The talent is still there. The potential is is still great. Uh, and I think it's convinced the PSG hierarchy that they absolutely uh, want to keep him. And I, you know, I think and uh, and, and I hope for, for for PSG and French football that they're able to do so. But you know, I, I also think that he does have to work on uh, on, on some of his uh, character flaws off of the pitch because I think that uh, you know, regardless of what happens in his future, whether he stays at PSG or whether he goes to another big European team. Uh, you know, this sort of behavior, uh, will not be tolerated. I don't think it would be any different outside of, uh, uh, outside of PSG. And I think that although the club have handled a number of things, um, since they've been under Qatari ownership, uh, you know, in a, in a, in a less than ideal way, uh, you know, I actually commend the way that they've, uh, that they've, they've handled the Rabio situation. I think they've done very well, uh, to hold on to this talent, especially when you consider that PSG, you know, the club who lost, Kingsley Coman on uh, on a free transfer a couple of seasons ago, and you know he went on to enjoy uh, a, a good season at Juventus and is now thriving at Bayern Munich as well. So PSG don't want to repeat that situation uh, with Rabiot. And you know I, I mentioned Marquinhos earlier. Uh, he, he is in a similar situation to Rabiot, but at the same time very different. Obviously Marquinhos is not uh, a homegrown player. He's not French. He's Brazilian. Already a full Brazil international. Um, you know was brought for big money from uh, from Roma. Uh, and has added to the potential that he showed when he was in Italy uh, is one of the most exciting uh, defensive prospects anywhere in the world. Uh, I would already put him up there with some of the best. Uh, he's obviously learning from the, uh, you know, arguably the uh, the best central defender of in, uh, in in world football at present, Thiago Silva, who's in fantastic form uh, this season. 
Uh, Marquinhos, understandably, uh, a bit disappointed to not be uh, a regular starter at PSG. Laurent Blanc prefers to go with Thiago Silva and David Luiz when they're both fit. Uh, we've seen Marquinhos playing at right back and even in defensive midfield sometimes, uh, you know, when, uh, when, when the squad's been rotated a bit. But I'd say Marquinhos has played a fair amount of games so far this season, enough to keep him happy. Uh, and I think that he knows that PSG are banking on him. Uh, as, as as one of their big stars of the future, uh, and the big question is, you know, just w- what happens uh, for, with PSG when some of these older players, uh, you know, move on a bit. You know, the likelihood of uh, of Zlatan leaving next summer means that you know the attacking lineup is probably going to change uh, a little bit. Uh, you've got someone like Motta who isn't getting any younger in the midfield, and once you know, once he perhaps has to step aside. Uh, you know, we might see somebody uh, like David Luiz maybe step forward. Uh, you know, add a, add a bit more dynamism to that midfield in uh, in, in a deep lying role, or you know, or we see Rabiot uh, move back there and earn himself uh, a, a real starting role in the in the team. But whatever happens, I think that Marquinhos will eventually uh, you know get himself a, a, a starting role in this uh, in this PSG side. You know, he seems very happy in uh, in Paris. Uh, you know, is at the club with one of his uh, closest friends in football, Lucas Moura, as well. So, you know, it seems to be very, very happy off the pitch, um, but just, you know, wants to get a bit more time on it. Uh, I'd say that at the moment he's probably had as much as uh, as he could expect. But, you know, I do think that there is a case for for, for, for PSG's starting eleven. Uh, you know, including Marquinhos alongside Thiago Silva at centre-back. No, indeed, and, and you know you, you key into the, the the great Brazilian disposition, which is which, which is happiness. <laughs> you know, it, it's what the what the whole country runs on here. The words alegria they use here in Brazil, and 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 it's very true. Listen, just on the back of what you said, there I have two questions for you. One, one on Rabio. You, you talked about a loan possibly in January. Um, you, do you think, see that loan happening within uh, Liga Home, or do you see that uh, him being open to other leagues? Uh, I think that Rabiot, when he's talking about a loan, uh, has a loan to another European side in mind, you know, perhaps an Italian side, perhaps a Premier League team. I don't think that he sees himself staying in uh, in Ligue 1 for that uh, regular first team football, but that's where I think it's a bit unrealistic. You know, I think he's established himself um, better at PSG than he could do anywhere else in Europe on a short term loan. And I think if he makes a move now, he's going to have to establish himself wherever he goes and six months is not going to be enough for him to do that you know with an eye on uh, on, on the euros unless a team were to come to PSG and say okay we've lost uh, you know one of our star central midfielders uh, we want to take Rabiot on loan uh, he will play every game for us from now until the end of the season I think PSG might then consider it or might have considered it uh, before his recent comments uh, but you know that's that's what I was going to go back to to saying because of what he said recently putting a bit of pressure on the club saying that uh, you know the, the the club would be forced to grant him a, a loan move because the president likes him and uh, you know they get on well I, you know I think that was a big uh, no no you know it was a, it was a bad move uh, on Rabiot's part whether he was badly advised by his mum to say something like that to stir things up a little bit or, or whether it was just the first thing that came out of his mouth uh, you know, I, I I think that he's probably now ruined his chance of uh, of going out on loan. I think he'd, if if he'd asked discreetly, uh, PSG might have been prepared to loan him to say an Italian side or uh, you know maybe a, a Premier League outfit that could offer him uh, relatively you know regular starting football. Uh, but 
you know, I have to, I have to admit, I think that he is, in terms of his aims of breaking into the, into the Euro squad, uh, for France, I think that he is best served staying at PSG at the moment. You know, the squad rotation system sees him getting a lot of games. Uh, it's not certain that the, you know, the first choice midfield three of, uh, of, of Marco Verratti, Blaise, Matuidi and, and Thiago Motta will always be fit. Uh, and Rabio knows that as soon as one of those is, uh, is, is either suspended, uh, you know, uh, not fit or, uh, or or injured for a long period of time, he is then immediately into that uh, into that starting midfield. So I I think that Rabiot will stay at PSG. I can't see uh, a lone move materialising now, uh, but I think when he when when he spoke about wanting to go out on loan, he had uh, you know a move within Europe, maybe even to another Champions League side in mind. No, indeed, and, and just and I know you're pressed for time, Jonathan, but I just want to ask you this because the British press are going mad with it this morning, uh, linking Mourinho to to PSG for next season. What would your thoughts be on that? Uh, I think it all depends on Laurent Blanc and how PSG do in the Champions League this season. If PSG get past the quarterfinals and go to the semi-finals, there's no way that PSG will sack Laurent Blanc. He's going to sign a new contract in the next couple of weeks, possibly before Christmas, possibly just after, sometime in January. Uh, you know, we will wait and see. But at the moment, PSG have absolutely no reason to sack Laurent Blanc. The reason why they're doing so well at the moment, uh, you know, and they're unbeaten domestically, is because there's been continuity at, at PSG this season. The players. Uh, you know, all on board with uh, with Blanc and what he expects from them. Okay, some some might not be happy with their situations and the fact that they haven't uh, got you know as much first team football as they would like. But everybody understands what's expected of them. Uh, they know the way that Blanc likes to play, uh, and you know he is getting the team to play some uh, some, some entertaining football at times. Uh, but obviously, uh, you know everybody knows that PSG's big dream is to to win the Champions League. Uh, and to progress into a real uh, continental superpower. And I think the only way that Blanc can guarantee that he is going to keep his job, um, you know, justify this new contract that he's going to sign in the next couple of weeks, uh, is by leading them past the, the, the quarterfinals and into the, into the semifinals or even better. Uh, they've drawn Chelsea in the last 16. Um, you know, now with Mourinho out of the picture, uh, it'll be interesting to see how Chelsea do over the next couple of months, whether they recover a little bit or whether they still stay in this malaise that they were in, uh, you know, up until the Portuguese's uh, final day in charge. But in terms of Mourinho coming to PSG, I think in the past, Mourinho would have been the ideal candidate for PSG, uh, you know, to bring in as a, as a replacement for Blanc at some point. But I think when now that they've seen what happened with Mourinho, uh, this season, you know, some of the, the controversies he got himself, in, himself embroiled in, uh, you know, some of the damage that he did to, to, to Chelsea's image. I think PSG have taken a step back and said, okay, you know, maybe this is the sort of name that we would like as coach, but we don't want this sort of behavior associated with the club. You know, we don't want that detracting from our image. Um, you know, even if Blanc is, you know, boring in many people's opinions, uh, you know, I think that he is definitely the best fit for PSG at the moment. You know, they play good football uh, under him and he has a good uh, squad rotation system going this season. Uh, I, you know, I think that at the moment the, there are plans in place that will see PSG get back into the quarterfinals of the Champions League once again. But I also think that they will go a step further. I think that we will see PSG go to the semifinals. And if that is the case, uh, then I think that PSG wouldn't have a leg to stand on if they tried to if they tried to sack Blanc to bring in uh, Mourinho. Uh, and instead, I can see Mourinho either staying in the Premier League and going to another big team, you know, Manchester United, somebody like that, who knows. 
you know, or perhaps, uh, you know, maybe even going into international management, depending on what happens at the Euros and what big jobs are available uh, after that. So I, I can't see Mourinho uh, coming to, to PSG anytime soon. And even if he did, you know, I think that there would be many people who would be against that, especially when you consider how negative Mourinho has been about Ligue 1 in the past. No, absolutely, Jonathan. And, and, and you, you know, really, I think you've, you've banged the nail on the head there. I think, you know, the, the press are just picking the easy option with PSG. And, and what you said about Mourinho is completely true. He, he, he brings you success without a doubt. But the end is always, you know, even, even at Madrid and whatnot, the end always tends to be a, a less than, than, than nice affair, really. <laughs> well, I think, I think as well, when you, 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 now that you've said that, you know, you've also got to consider that PSG aren't just starting out as a project anymore. You know, they're, uh, you know, almost five years deep, um, in, in their Qatari ownership and, you know, the, the, the squad has, has, has grown massively and developed really well. They, you know, they've now got a very, very strong starting 11, arguably one of the best in Europe. Uh, and it's, you know, they, they no, no longer need that guarantee of short term success, which is what Mourinho brings. They're looking for something a little more long term. Uh, you know, they want to prove that, you know, they're a club where a coach can be stable. Uh, obviously, Mourinho doesn't demand that uh, because, you know, it's very rare that he stays more than three seasons at a club. Um, you know, but other coaches, uh, you know, in Europe who might potentially be looking at PSG in the, you know, the, the coaching role there in the future, uh, you know, would look back at this time uh, with Laurent Blanc and, and, you know, be impressed that PSG were able to stick with a coach uh, for so long, especially one who, uh, you know, by all accounts was was not their first choice when he was appointed. No, indeed, indeed. And, and, and I hope they do stick with them because there's just far too much, you know, knee-jerk reaction in football management around the world these days. And, and you know, nowhere more so than where I live in Brazil. But listen, Jonathan, I know I appreciate very much the time that you've taken and, get, and given us today. Very, very, very much indeed. And just thank you so much for appearing on the pod with us. Not a problem. Thanks for having me on. It's been a pleasure and I look forward to repeating it again soon. In, indeed, you'll be very welcome back at any stage. Maybe we can even get a, get a little roundup of, of of what the French league is doing sometime in the future. Um, you know, towards the end, it would be fantastic to have you back on again. Sounds great. Thanks a lot. Listen, and enjoy Christmas, and, and and thank you very much indeed for for appearing. Hey, no worries, and uh, you too. Uh, happy holidays. Thank you very much, my man. Unfortunately, uh, my neighbours just decided to play other music, which I apologise for. Call it Brazil noise, third world problems, whatever you want to call it. Uh, unfortunately, it's unavoidable. But listen, uh, well, we're going to have to close the pod on there as time has run out on us. But I'd just like to take an opportunity to, to, to basically let you know what we're going to be doing here on WFI up till Christmas and for the new year. Uh, basically, our, our, World, our World Cup series will continue. Uh, this series on under 22s will continue. Uh, um, in the new year, unfortunately, due to the festive period, it's closed down our window uh, for guests, and you know timeframes are very difficult for them. So we, we've put that on hold to the new year. But don't despair. I have uh, another trick up my sleeve. We are going to record um, at the weekend. Uh, I think on Sunday night and, and Tuesday evening, we're going to record um, the world eleven of your lifetime, and we have uh, with six guests lined up and uh, different age ranges. And I'm sure it'll be a, it'll be a fascinating listen. Um, some of the crew that were on the uh, the, the Italian night pod if you're familiar with it which was an epic uh, are coming back to us again so maybe expect a, a longer type of podcast but really I, I have nothing more to say on this particular pod uh, other than 
Just again, thank you so much for your support throughout the year, for downloading us, for, for subscribing to us. It means the world to us. Um, you know, it, it's a privilege to, to put these pods out and, and continue and working with guys like Armando James and, and Sam. You know, really great guys. And, and I, we, we couldn't do it without, without the team. We are a team here. And, you know, with Christmas in mind, just want to thank those guys because you know some of them are, are, are behind the scenes and they don't get an awful lot of credit and certainly not the credit they deserve um, you know that they're, they're very much silent but listen with that in mind uh, I hope you all have a wonderful Christmas uh, whatever you're doing whatever whatever friends or family or going away for the for, for the festive period I hope you have a wonderful time and as I say look out for the for the couple of pods that are going to come up they'll keep you company over Christmas they'll give you a break from from the festivities if you need it and uh, and again thank you again for listening and it's good night from me catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.